Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hi, welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us on our monthly podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Lynn DeVenny, a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal employed by a small civil rights firm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I also blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com, and I'm here with my wonderful and knowledgeable co-host, Vicki Voison. Thanks, Lynn. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan, where I work as a paralegal at Running, Wise, and Ford. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Strategies for Paralegals Seeking Excellence. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you our thoughts about leading trends, significant developments, and resources that we think you'll find helpful in your careers and everyday jobs. We'll also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics, and of course, we have sponsors. Today, we welcome our sponsor, Terrace, that's T-E-R-I-S. Terrace offers a full suite of litigation support services. Today, we're very pleased to have with us Brad Beeler, a shareholder and managing partner at Morley Law Firm in Grand Forks, North Dakota. He is a board-certified trial specialist by the National Board of Trial Advocacy and the Minnesota State Bar Association. He is designated as a Great Plains Super Lawyers 2009 in personal injury defense by Minnesota Law and Politics. Brad has tried more than 30 jury trials and more than a dozen bench trials in North Dakota and Minnesota. Thanks, Lynn. I appreciate being invited to participate. You're welcome. And our second guest is Candy Riley of Fargo, North Dakota. Candy has been a paralegal for 25 years. She received her CLA in 1999 and her specialty in litigation in 2001. Candy coordinated the Mock Trial Institute at NALA's annual convention in 2006 and again in 2009. She has extensive experience in civil litigation, including employment law, personal injury, wrongful death, and other torts, as well as white-collar crime. So, of course, she has assisted in numerous trials during her paralegal career. Welcome, Candy. Thank you, Vicki. Brad, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure. Primarily, I do insurance defense work. In other words, that means I'm hired by an insurance company or to defend people or companies for claims brought against the insurance company's customers. So I usually, if a lawsuit started, I get a call from an insurance company saying, can you defend this person or this company for us? And Candy, I, uh, I know that our listeners would also like to hear more about your work. Uh, well, as a paralegal, uh, most of my duties entail assisting the attorneys in civil litigation, and I do a lot of the investigation, uh, securing documents necessary for discovery, research and drafting motions, interviewing witnesses, and compiling information and summarizing, as well as assisting with expert witnesses. Brad, we've talked a little bit about the areas of litigation that you specialize in. What types of expert witnesses do you usually hire and work with? 
Well, most of my work is in litigation and involves personal injury work, but I also work in construction cases and product defects cases. Many times I'll need some type of physician or doctor like an orthopedic surgeon, neuropsychologist, physiatrist, dentist, ophthalmologist, or some other physician. And depending on the case, I may need some type of liability expert, whether it be some type of engineer, accident reconstructionist, fire cause and origin person, and sometimes I hire economists or accountants. Kind of covers the whole spectrum, doesn't it, Brad? It does. Yeah, depending yeah. on the case, it can. And I've had some very unusual experts in the past, like ranching experts and cattle experts, those type of things. Okay. I'd love and to Candy, know where you find those. Maybe we can talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Candy, tell us, uh, you know, what areas you specialize in and what type of experts do you usually work with? Sure. Um, we do a lot of torts, uh, personal injury, medical negligence, wrongful death. I do some healthcare fraud, and I also do some employment law. Um, employment law, we typically would have economists, psychiatrists, psychologists. Um, you might have to, to find an independent medical examiner to uh, do an exam on the plaintiff. Um, personal and injury, wrongful death. We use doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, economists, vocational experts, engineers, architects, annuitists accident reconstruction, neuropsychologists. We've had dental experts when we've had de- dental negligence. Um, there's just a wide range of experts that you can, you know, pull from mm-hmm. for your cases. Yeah. Well, Brad, with regard to working with the expert witnesses, I, I'd like to hear what duties you delegate to your paralegals. Well, like I said off the air before we got started, a lot of times my paralegals do most of the work involving experts. Many times our paralegals work exclusively with the experts. I may tell one of our paralegals that I'm looking for a certain type of expert, whether it be a neurologist or electrical engineer, and the paralegal will locate an appropriate expert or several. And usually the paralegal get the expert's curriculum vitae or resume. And I also like to get a rate schedule from the expert. Paralegal does that um, and will give me the that information, and then usually I'll decide, you know, which expert I want to use. And then the paralegal will typically put together a package of information she's going to send to the expert and have me review that and then send it to the expert and generally ask the expert to contact me with preliminary opinions before a report is issued. So a lot of times my uh, interaction with the expert is pretty minimal, especially initially. It sounds like they take good care of you. Uh, Candy, what duties do you perform uh, for your law firm when working with expert witnesses? Well, I do all the investigation of adverse experts, um, determine what areas with my attorney, what areas we would need to find an expert in. Then I do the preliminary research of those types of experts we could find. I contact them. I, I talk to them. I give them a little brief history about the case. I don't list names or anything in the event that we don't hire them. I obtain their CV, uh, publications, list of trials they might have testified in. And and I might ask them about the adverse expert as well. Uh, Then I I meet with the attorney. We will maybe give them a phone call, and the attorney makes the final decision on which expert we actually hire. After we hired an expert, then I work on gathering all the information that we need to disclose to him uh, or her, and then provide that, and I'm basically the contact for that expert. The attorney rarely talks to them unless they're getting ready for a uh, trial 
for a deposition. Um, or if he has questions about working on his report and I can't help him, then he talks to the attorney. And as Brad said, the attorney usually has a meeting with him prior to the report coming out. Absolutely. Um, this is a question for both of you, and I know you probably have a um, database and list of, of, re- of witnesses that you've worked with frequently and like to use, but what are your favorite ways of locating experts that you have not already worked with before? Well, for me, Lynn, it's my colleagues and peers. I have a handful of people that I'll email or call looking for a particular type of expert or asking my colleague or peer if the person's used an expert that I'm considering using. And sometimes I'll contact one of the local universities or sometimes I'll ask other experts. Like, for example, I've got a structural engineer that I've used before who I trust and I think is a a good individual. And if I'm looking for a civil engineer or a mechanical engineer, I'll ask my structural engineer friend, who would he recommend, someone that he would trust? That, I guess, would be my favorite way to locate experts. How about you, Candy? Uh, We actually do the same thing that Brad does. Uh, We we prefer to find someone locally and not hire someone from, like, oh, on the East Coast or the West Coast. We try to find someone in the Midwest. And we, we prefer to have someone that hasn't testified in numerous trials. Right. We also check with different um, professionals that we know and the medical clinics around here. If we need a doctor or psychologist or the university, um, there's just a wide variety of resources that we have just in our area. Well, this question is also for both of you. Uh, I know that vetting is really important when you use expert witnesses. And and so I'm wondering, you know, just what resources you use uh, when you are are working with an expert witness or or actually uh, for those witnesses that are being used by the adverse party? Well, Vicki, from our perspective at our firm, the Internet's wonderful. I mean, you can do so many different searches on the Internet. We'll also ask around the office um, and, again, contacting peers and colleagues that I've worked with with in the past. And one of the most reliable sources i found for vetting is the my own expert, because typically these guys will, will know each other. So that's been very useful to me as well. That's a good point. Candy, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, the Internet definitely. Use Google, Bing, Westlaw. Lexus, uh, search for their blogs, their professional websites. They may be on a news group or discussion. They may have a podcast. Uh, networking sites such as LinkedIn, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter. If he, owns a com- he or she owns a company, we could check their business records or federal court records, check their CVs, obtain different publications. Uh, they may have done prior reports that you'd want to look at. Or in like Brad, we also check with our own experts to see if they know anything about them. Because typically, if, especially in a specialized field, mm-hmm. the expert base is small, and so a lot of the experts know each other. And you can also, if you think there's something questionable in your adverse expert's background, you can do a background check. Those are all great tips. It's time to take a break now, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Candy Riley and Brad Beeler about working with expert witnesses. Terrace is a full-service litigation support solution provider that works with law firms and Fortune 500 companies to provide consultation-based solutions, state-of-the-art technologies, and experienced project management. 
Terrace understands the unique demands and processes required during litigation. Our clients spend less time and money through all phases of case management. Discover how our streamlined suite of litigation support services can help you save time, increase accuracy, and drive savings. For more information, call 877-99-TERRACE or visit terrace.com. That's T-E-R-I-S. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code PV for a 25% discount. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Lynn Devaney, and with me is my co-host, Vicki Voison. One quick program note. You can subscribe to the Paralegal Voice by going to either Legal Talk Network at LegalTalkNetwork.com or subscribing to the program in the podcast directory of iTunes. The price is right. It's free. And that way you'll get each new edition automatically without having to search for it or wait for it. Our guests today are Brad Beeler and Candy Riley. We're discussing tips for working with expert witnesses. And I have another question for both of you. Do you ever use expert directories? And, and if you do, which ones do you recommend? Um, we do not use expert directories unless we cannot find one through our own searches, which I, I guess in my career, we have never had that problem. We would rather do the investigation ourselves and find someone. Okay. And what about you, Brad? I tend to agree with Candy. Um, we very seldom use any type of expert directory. It's been our experience that uh, most directories don't have experts, at least in the rural area of North Dakota. And I, Candy kind of alluded to this earlier where, I mean, we want, we want someone that's local is what we're trying to do. So we've had better luck looking for experts on our own as a, instead of using an um, expert directory. Um, again, this question is to both of you, and we may have covered a little bit of this ground previously, but it's it's pretty critical. Um, how do both of you check potential conflicts of interest with experts? Well, Lynn, we've been pretty lucky at our firm because most of the experts we deal with, well, that's one of the first questions they ask us, who are the parties involved? I need to run a conflict check. Right. So primarily we we leave that up to the experts, you know, to check for themselves. In certain situations, like involving medical experts, we can tell if the the person we want examined is, has been treated at facility, and we know we'd have a conflict using a doctor from that facility. But usually we've been lucky with the experts doing it themselves. I agree with Brad. That's, we 
do the same thing, but I've also set up my own expert database where I track both hired experts and adverse experts. So that's just a quick check for me when, when we get started. Brad, I'd like to talk for just a minute about the Daubert standard. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with it, can you explain it and explain it like you would to a group of new paralegal students? I'll say the Daubert standard that you're referring to is actually based on a Supreme Court case, a United States Supreme Court case of Daubert versus Merrill Dow Pharmaceuticals, where the Supreme Court looked at whether an expert testimony should be admissible. And the United States Supreme Court came up with some um, factors that trial court judges should look at into determining whether the expert testimony is admissible. Um, the, the key phrase, or one of the phrases you hear is the trial court judge is supposed to be the gatekeeper now with respect to the admissibility of expert testimony. Some of the factors the trial court judge is supposed to look at is whether the expert's technique or theory can be challenged with objective te- tests, if you know, whether it can, or if it's simply subjective or conclusionary approach. Another factor is that if the theory or technique being used by the expert is subject to peer review or publication. A third factor is whether the, in the case of a particular scientific technique, the method contains a high known or potential rate of error. So if it's a high rate of error, that's going to side to the, of not allowing the testimony. The fourth factor is whether the methodology that the expert is using using is accepted within the scientific community. Now, since that the Dalbert came out, the Dalbert case came out with those four factors. There's been some additional uh, cases that have come out from the United States Supreme Court, adding some other factors in there that the courts can look at. Um, one of the additional factors that was added was whether the expert has unjustifiably extrapolated from an accepted premises to an unfounded conclusion. I mean, did he go too far, I guess, is basically the way the court said that. Additionally is whether the expert has adequately accounted for obvious alternative explanations. You know, if the the expert has looked at both sides of the situation. A third um, additional factor is whether the expert is being careful, as he would in, in regular professional work outside his paid litigation consulting. I mean, the expert has to use the same care in conducting its tests or experiments or reaching his conclusions, whether it be working in his own private practice or doing this as a forensic or as, or as an expert witness. And the, one of the other items is whether the field or expertise claimed by the expert is known to reach reliable results for the type of opinion the expert would give. The court's not looking to admit junk science into the courtroom. So those are, are some of the numerous factors that the, the court looks at in um, analyzing whether expert testimony is admissible under the Dalbert standard. Now, I would like to add is some jurisdictions have yet to adopt the Dalbert standard. For example, in North Dakota, we don't use the Dalbert standard. We use a different standard called the Fry test that's based on an Eighth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals case. Hopefully that answers your question. That does. I think that was a great explanation. Um, doing that scientific research is one of my favorite parts of working um, with expert witnesses. Candy, uh, what resources do you recommend that paralegals use to do the background and academic research to investigate and avoid Dalbert challenges? Well, you really need to do your homework on experts. Um, in addition to vetting, you should check their professional sites, whether they're a doctor, see if they're board certified, 
what certifications they do have. You could check their universities. You could check references. Definitely go through their CV and obtain all the articles they list. Make sure that they don't have anything that you wouldn't know about and the other side would. Uh, make sure you know where they have testified in every deposition they've given testimony. Get the transcripts if you can, just so you know what they've said in other cases and you're not surprised. Okay, and that is the the word of the day, which is surprise. And I think we always want to avoid those. We want to avoid the pitfalls. And, and so, I'm, you know, is there anything else that we need to do to uh, avoid those pitfalls when we're dealing with Dobear? Well, Vicki, my biggest suggestion to avoid any pitfalls is would be to make sure the paralegal uses a reliable source or, or, or a source that they feel good about in locating the expert witness. I'm always leery about experts that are anxious to testify, you know, those experts that are constantly advertising and have their Internet website set up for, for, uh, for testifying. Um, those experts, in my experience, sometimes... You know, they're too anxious to make the money and testify as an expert witness and sometimes even have their own agenda. I totally agree with Brad. We've found a few of those, and and, uh, they'll say anything that you want them to, and we don't want those types of experts. Uh, They bring way too many surprises into the courtroom. (laughs) But you need to thoroughly investigate so that you don't have those surprises. And you should find an expert that has qualifications in the area that you need the testimony you might have to have more than one. I mean, you can't have one person cover everything. So you just have to make sure they have the education and the knowledge and experience to testify so that you can uh, withstand that bear challenge. Brad and Candy, I have really been enjoying this conversation, and I wish it could last a lot longer, but we're going to have to wind it up. But we'd like to leave our listeners with practice tips from each of you about working with experts. Well, Vicki, I actually asked my uh, paralegals that we have here at our firm what best one tip I could give to the, to the listeners, and they both, uh, the two I talked to, both agreed that the most important thing that I can tell a paralegal about working with experts is be careful on what materials you provide to the expert and what you write in your letters or email messages to the expert, because anything you give to that expert, whether it be materials or, or your letters or your messages, may be discoverable. And that may blow up in your face if you say the wrong thing. You are preaching to the choir. I usually will run that stuff by my attorney first before I send it out. I, uh, Brad, I was asked to serve as an expert in a legal malpractice case where there was a, an issue with a, with a paralegal working under the supervision of an attorney. And I was told to, you know, I, I just uh, gave verbal opinion. I did not write anything down for that. Is that an important point? Um, not necessarily. You know, it kind of depends on the attorney and depends on the situations. Um, I've had cases where the court requires a report to be issued by an expert, like it does in federal court. But a lot of times in state court, they don't require a written report. Okay. Um, well, that, that actually didn't go to trial. So, uh, Candy, do you have anything else to add? Well, I, I agree with Brad's paralegals. You really have to be careful what you send. And um, the only other thing I would add is, Investigate, investigate, investigate. <laughs> you don't want any surprises. No, those are horrible. I, they that's are. the worst. They that's are. the worst feeling to be sitting in a deposition and have information come up that you you and your attorney did not anticipate. Correct. Or a I mean, trial. Or your, a, even worse at a trial. Yes. <laughs> um, 
Thank you, Brad, for joining us today. We really appreciate your insight and your and your wisdom. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I hope I was of some help. And thanks also to our guest, Candy Riley, for sharing your tips for paralegals working with experts. Thank you, Vicki. I enjoyed it. If you have questions, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. Vicki and I will be posting a joint article, Tips for Working with Expert Witnesses, at our respective blogs. We'll be sure to include helpful links to more information about this topic. And also, we're going to take another short break. Please come back uh, because we're going to have some paralegal news and announcements. So stay tuned. The George Washington University's master's degree in paralegal studies, offered both online and on campus in Washington, D.C., provides you with the opportunity to earn the most prestigious paralegal credential available. You will gain the skills, knowledge, and abilities you need to act with confidence. Visit paralegal.onlinegwu.com forward slash legal talk or call 1-866-232-0232 extension 3421 to learn more about this unique program. Monitor live depositions from anywhere with West Live Note Real Time. Observe every hesitation, every sidelong glance, and every drop of sweat from the deponent. You and other team members can privately instant message with the deposing attorney. You can act as second chair and annotate your live transcript. Look up facts and definitions, find conflicting testimony, and even offer suggestions for the line of questioning. All live. For more information about West Live Note, call 1-800-762-5272 or visit LiveNote.com. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. Lynn, we're just about to wrap up, but I want to let our listeners know that I'm just back from Iowa, where I attended the fall meeting of the Iowa Association of Legal Assistants and was able to present uh, the mystery of ethics and technology to them. And I'm really excited because I have a new product that's going to be available soon, and it is a virtual paralegal interview series that I got the idea for when we had our, uh, our podcast about virtual paralegals. And I've gone on a little bit long, but I have a quick tip, and that is always to plan ahead to meet deadlines, either on Friday before you leave the office or on uh, Monday morning, first thing, be sure that you look at the calendar. The word of the day is no surprises. You don't want any surprises. You don't want to find something that was just added to the calendar and you didn't know about. You need to be able to prepare your supervising attorney for anything that's coming up. So that's my practice tip for the day. Do you have a social media tip, Lynn? Well, actually, Candy stole it. This seems to be happening to me during these podcasts, so I'm going to have to have a secondary uh tip in the future and be more prepared. Um, And I'll I'll probably consult with you on my time management there. But um, basically, I was going to say the same thing Candy did. Look up your expert witness the same as you would any other party in litigation, including your own client. 
thoroughly Google them, check all social media sites, no matter how ridiculous you think it may be to look for your expert there, because trust me, the other side is looking for your expert everywhere. Um, you want to use these sites to avoid unpleasant surprises, especially at trial. Um, and you also want to run civil and criminal record checks um, whenever possible, including, unfortunately, on your expert witnesses. Um, I just wanted to mention real quick that I'm very excited about going to Los Angeles for the first time in my life. I am going to be speaking at the Los Angeles Paralegal Association's annual October conference called Powering Up for the Future. And I'm going to be presenting uh, network and career building with uh, social social media. So I'm also excited because I'm speaking on October the 17th, which is also my blog's first birthday. So it's kind of a, a neat way to celebrate that. That's about all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Please don't forget to check out the show notes on our respective blogs, paralegalmentor.com and practicalparalegalism.com. This is Vicki Voison. And this is Lynn Devenny. Thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.